You can now hear Tech Actually on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly on your iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, or WebOS device. The latest episode is always available for you. No syncing needed, no memory wasted. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Actually, episode 110 for the 27th of November, 2010. I am David McVeigh, and I am joined in studio by Josh Philpott. How are you? I'm fantastic. We're all still a bit discombobulated by the time changes. I yeah, know. I don't know. It's just I'm not. I'm kind of feeling like I should be talking about a movie right now, but I'm just not going to. I'm no, going to now we're going to do a bit of tech. Yeah, but that's cool. Yeah, that's I love cool. tech. Absolutely, because this is Tech Actually, the official tech podcast of geekactually.com. This is where we take a lighthearted look at the week in tech. Uh, now, before we start, we'll just throw in the whole David Storms America thing and get that out of the way. Uh, hopefully, you've been listening to the show, so you know the drill. We're looking for donations to try and send us to America. Uh, we want to try and get our, uh, you know, our profile up over there so that we can get break into that market and blah, blah, blah. If you are wanting to donate to help us send us over there, uh, donate. Donations can be taken at geekactually.com right there on the front page. Okay, done. Mm. This week, <laughs> let's talk about this week in tech. All right. Oh, I shouldn't say this week in tech. I think I just breached a copyright. <laughs> All right. This week on the show, uh, we are only going to do one, one, and that's it, one. Just one, one robot apocalypse story, all right? And the only reason we bring this up is because um, I should also state from the beginning that uh, most of our news is a combination of me and our researcher, uh, Dave Murray, Delta Knight, in our chat room. Uh, he found this one, and I think that uh, we should uh, be worried when they use the word Terminator in the name of a robot. Now, wow. uh, uh, we're going to play this video in the background, so uh, uh, there's no real dialogue. But just to show you, this is a new chess robot um, called the Chess Terminator. Oh, it's called the uh, Chess Terminator Robot Arm, and it's facing off a chess master. And, you know, it's really fast and it's really effective and it plays a really good chess game. Uh, but my, my concern here is that they've actually called the Terminator. You know? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I no, just, that's, that's not a good start. No, I just think if you're going to make a robot that is thinking, I mean, let's face it, a chess robot is, is, is making decisions. It is playing a game. Therefore, I would actually say it's not a good idea for something that is in some form or another thinking to be called a Terminator. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's the chess robot, and that's it. That's our impending Robot Apocalypse news this week. We're not going to harp on it this week. Uh, Admittedly, it is very fast with that arm. It can probably do quite a bit of damage. Oh, I'm sure. And it, it thinks fast, too. I mean, the chess master, you see him, he takes his time, makes move, hits the clock, and he just goes, it's the clock. It's like He's been playing it since his hand moved. Yeah, it's like this thing isn't even hesitating on its moves. So, yes, and I say we integrate that into another robot, and it can probably kill us. Okay, uh, I think the big news this week uh, was that iOS 4.2.1, as it is officially known, iOS 4.2 as people call it, uh, finally came out on Monday, and I just thought we'd very quickly talk about our thoughts on this. Uh, What were your initial reactions to it? Well, like, I mean, it's funny because I've been thinking about why it was exactly I was really excited 
because I mean, like, well, let's let's look at what it's got. It's got uh, the ability to connect with an Apple TV and flick my movies mm-hmm. on and off. Uh, I don't have an Apple TV. I do, but I don't have the right one. So, yep. yeah, okay, so you don't have the right one. So AirPlay, so, AirPlay um, writes off, yeah. There's the printing, but my printer doesn't work, and even if it does, it doesn't even look like that works Well, for now, like 90% of... According to the AirPrint page, it is compatible with, I think, seven HP printers at the moment mm-hmm. because... The core element to AirPrint was its three files that actually attached the AirPrint feature to the CUPS uh, uh, protocols in yeah. a Mac, so using Bonjour. And just before the release of this iOS, Apple took those out. Oh. They disabled it. So it only works with AirPrint-enabled printers, which HP makes about seven models, and that's it. So if you don't have one of those printers, AirPrint doesn't work unless you hack the device oh. you can hack the device right um, it can be done um so airprint is kind of pointless at this point hopefully they'll fix this in the future okay so next i would hope so uh so you've got that and then uh all right you've got folders now folders are useful mm-hmm. and uh it's nice to have everything down to one page and not be flicking back on some forwards i still accidentally go to flick every now and then i'm still and, on three pages so oh uh, wow no, I'm down to I'm down to one. No, see, I still have my pages. Not all pages are full, but I have them broken down. So, like my front page is stuff I use all the time. Second mm-hmm. page is utilities and apps. Third yeah. page is games, and each one of those pages has folders mm-hmm. on those pages to help stack away the stuff I don't use that often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh well, there you go. So, so it works. I mean, I, and quite frankly, folders was for me the most important feature on the iPad. Mm. Um, oh well, there you go. So there's. There's that. There's that. Okay. Yeah. That works. Um, and uh, yeah, apart from that... Multitasking. Multitasking uh, hasn't really been that useful I've for I've never me. seen multitasking well, as a major feature. To me, it feature, was never so. a problem. No. Like, the whole thing of flicking in between the devices was a matter of pressing close and then reopening the other one. So, yeah. No, I, uh, for me personally, even on the iPhone, multitasking was always a bit of a gimmick. It, I don't use it that mm. much. Mm. Um I just don't see a problem with closing one to move to the next application. Excuse me. Mm. Because, quite frankly, the one thing I have noticed is that my battery life on my iPad is not as long as it was. I could charge my iPad every couple of days, and Mm. it would last forever. I mean, this thing's got like a 10-hour battery on it. I now have to charge it every night. So there you go. uh, There is a factor that stuff running in the background or keeping multiple applications open is going to to keep more power. As an example, I'm plugged in at the moment, so it's not affecting me, but I have a program running, which is actually my pick of the week, which is a timing program uh, to try and keep these shows on track. It didn't work during filming, actually, as we can tell, but um, this clock. Now, I used the multitasking feature in the last show because I went tap, tap, and I went to the notes feature so that I could get my list of five for the film show. Mm -hmm. Now, that timing program was still running in the background. How do we know that? Because as we were doing the list of fives, a warning popped up saying your timer has just run out. Oh, well, that's cool. So it is working. Yeah. The problem is to have that running in the background while I'm in notes means there's two apps now running at the same time. Now, if I had music running at the same time, that's three apps that are running yeah. and you, your battery is just going down, 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 down. Well, uh, on a <clears> usual <throat> day when we were doing the show, um, I would probably down to about 70%. I'm now at 63. So there is a little lack, but I got into the habit because of the iPhone. I just always shut down everything. So, But the problem is some apps don't shut down. 
So there are some apps. No, no, I mean as in I double-click and delete them. Oh, you delete them. Yeah, exactly. And you have to do that. And that's something that I don't want to have to do all the time, you know? Mm. So multitasking for me has never been a big issue, and I've always thought of it was a bit of a gimmick. But there are some people who just love their multitasking. Um, And I would say, fine, good for you. Um, uh, Look, the predominant people who like the multitasking app are those who use web radio, Mm -hmm. and they want to be able to put things like Pandora and stuff in the background while they're doing other stuff. Okay, I understand that. Here in Australia, we don't have Pandora, mm. and the only audio that I really use on my iPad is my iPod, mm. is the iPod feature, you know, yeah. and that's always been able to background tasks. So Not always, though. Some applications will close it down. Only if they have sound in them, because mm. the iPad, even with multitasking, can only access one sound source at a time. So if you're running uh, your iPod music in the background and you mm. start a game that has background music, your iPod will stop. Yeah. Because the game music will override it. Yeah. <clears throat> I have actually found, though, that if you go into the in-game menus, turn off the in-game music, you can actually continue your iPod music running over the top. Mm. So, I mean, there's all sorts of ways around it. Look, overall, I think iOS 4.2 is a nice update. It seems to work quite well. Folders, for me, were a big issue. I would really like the printing feature. Mm-hmm. Um, I if they, agree with If they that. could ever yeah. get that off the ground, that was a killer feature for me. Oh, and the dude, fact- and the upgrades that came with it, like the flood of uh, people that put it in to their yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, programs, you know, good for them. Good for them. And all I can say is, come on, Apple, get off your ass and get this fixed because mm-hmm. we really want this printing feature to work. Yeah. Um, but with the, with the exception of the folders, the only real thing uh, – the only real thing that I have noticed uh, of iOS 4.2 that I quite like is that the calculation of space on the drive uh, seems to calculate better. Mm-hmm. If you actually look at your iTunes, there's always that big bar of yellow that is the other category. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of that has disappeared now, and your app bar has actually grown because it's now showing that there is data in the in apps that app, rather which than is, just being... That's, that's been a really important thing yeah. because a lot of the time I only have a 16-gig one, and uh, I end up usually finding that it's a bit of a problem when you and yeah. me are doing stuff. So, yeah, yeah so that's nice. The reporting of space is a bit better. On the iPhone, uh, mm. I actually updated two iPhones and two iPads this week because we have that many devices in the house. Mm. The iPhone, is there is virtually no difference. Mm. Uh, I don't see... Uh, theoretically, AirPrint has been added to it, but AirPrint doesn't work, as we've explained. So, realistically, there is no real difference. The one thing I will say that I hate about the new 4.2 update is the rotation lock switch. Mm -hmm. Um, I really hate this and I really hope, and it will never happen, and I understand that, but I would really hope that they would make that software switchable for future updates so you could actually choose for it to be a mute switch or a rotation lock switch. Um, That would be really nice, but Steve Jobs has already basically said that that won't happen. So, um, anyway... That's my gripes and my uh, updates for it. I think it's a fine update. It actually seems more stable. Yes. Um, apps don't seem to crash as often as they did before, so I will give it that. Speed-wise, I haven't noticed any real speed increases, um, but, you know, it's more stable. And I do suggest if you have a uh, genuine iOS device, I'm not talking about those who have jailbroken, but if you are running the genuine iOS device and you feel wondering whether you should do the upgrade, yes, you should do the upgrade. Mm. Um, if nothing else, for folders. Folders make management of your programs much easier. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, we also have another piece of uh, iOS news, uh, which is that uh, Steve Jobs and Rupert Murdoch are apparently collaborating on a new iPad newspaper. And here I am trying to touch my screen again. Hmm. God damn, so used to these iOS devices. Um, 
Now, we're going to say, oh, an online newspaper, who cares? Don't we have those already? No, this is something slightly different. Um, now, just to explain, there is no in-app system at this point for magazine subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, those who are doing it are basically selling things like Time Magazine. You have to buy each individual app every month uh, yeah. and stuff like that, and it sucks. There should be a system where you can buy an app and it auto-updates yeah. with new content. And that would be really wonderful if you could do all of that, but uh, there is no system in place. Now, Steve Jobs and Rupert Murdoch apparently are collaborating to create this uh, in-app kind of format. And if they pull it off for theirs, one can only assume that everybody is going to have access to this kind of model. Um, Now, their concept is an iPad-only newspaper. So not something that's just been ported from the web or something like that, but it would be an exclusive iPad newspaper that would be live updated, mm. um, like we had seen like Minority Report when they're sitting on the bus and news reports are coming through and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Apparently, they've already hired 100 people to work on this paper, um, and they're saying that it would be uh, – Murdoch has basically said that it would be uh, a cross between the intelligent reporting of a broadsheet and the fun of a tabloid. Basically, so you know, really trying to create that kind of jive and, and interest in it and all this sort of stuff. Will it work? I don't know. Would you buy an online iPad only newspaper? Depends on how much they're selling and whether the content has any relevance to me at all. Well, I can tell you how much they want to sell it for. That part I can give you. Uh, according to this article, it says that they want to sell it for 99 cents a week. No, so it'd be basically a US. Uh, but approximately in the U.S., four twenty-five a month to have a uh, updating newspaper, which no. is cheaper than subscribing to a newspaper. I don't care. I can get <laughs> my information free from the web, and I don't have to pay anyone anything. So, yeah, no, sorry, I wouldn't pay for that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, chat room, would you guys pay for an iPad-only newspaper? Um, now, on the link that we have in our show notes, there is actually a little video from Minority Report, which kind of shows uh, the concept that we're talking about, mm. uh, which has the guy sitting on the train and his newspaper is updating live as he's reading it. And I do like that kind of factor. You don't have to go into a web browser. You can actually see it live updating. And we do know that uh, things like IMDb and stuff, the apps run faster than going to the website itself. So yeah. I would have to say if it was going to be like $4 a month, I might subscribe to something like that. I could actually see a, a value. I, could, I would do that for some magazines, but definitely not an Apple magazine. No, this is an Apple. This is Murdoch. So this is uh, uh, the Herald, basically. Yeah, still. You know, oh. Or USA Today or you know, those sort of newspapers. I would actually be much more interested if it was one of the Fairfax Group newspapers like the Sydney Morning Herald mm. or something which I actually prefer as newspapers. I actually don't like Murdoch's newspapers very much. Yeah. Um, and if it was one of the uh, – although Murdoch does own the Wall Street Journal, so I guess we should not completely discount him. But, um, and Delta Knight says, I only read tech news. Boy, that's a bit limited, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes we need to know what's going on in the world, man. We have a black president, by the way. But yeah, by the way, did you, did you hear that? <laughs> just in case. And a female, case and you, a female prime minister. Right? Yeah, just in case you missed that. Just thought we should possibly fill you in. And he says, so, now let's, let's take this into the next arena, though, Josh. And he says, mm-hmm. what if PC Powerplay or 3D World Magazine or Empire yeah. Magazine or any of these did this model? Um, look, I mean, there are a few. Like, uh, we've discussed the second Empire goes uh, web-based. Digital, yeah. Boom. Uh, day one, I will be lining up for that. Um, uh, if there's a magazine overseas called Edge, uh, which is oh, a like UK Edge, magazine, yeah. uh, full of very interesting... If they went anywhere with it, it would be creative and interesting, so I would mm-hmm. definitely go with theirs. There's a bunch of digital photography um, magazines. Game like Informer, I would probably do the US Game Informer, only because it is the... 
quickest you will get news mm -hmm. from anyone. Uh, and look, I mean, there's a few very there a couple of entertainment other. magazines we don't even get in this country yeah. that I would like. Entertainment Weekly would be one of them. Yeah. Um, I would subscribe to Entertainment Weekly. I used to subscribe to that as a paper magazine when I lived in the States. Mm. And yeah, it's a bit tabloidy, but at least their news was up to date. And if it was web-based, then it would be even more up to date. The problem with magazines is that by the time they go to print, they're mm. out of date. So we really want something that can push through like this. The yeah. question is the topic of the magazine is what we really want. Yeah. All right. So that's the uh, Steve Jobs news. Um, let's talk a little bit more local at this point and say that the NBN, and look at this. I have a picture for you. Check out this picture. This was in the Sydney Morning Herald. <laughs> this is uh, Stephen Conroy wrapped in cables. Um, now, we have a little bit more local news when we come down to the NBN this week. Uh, this man, Stephen Conroy, who all of us geeks often deride, uh, basically saying, oh, he's a bastard and he's trying to push through the internet, says you're a filter and blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. The one thing he does do right is the NBN. And we have to give him credit for everything that he does with the NBN because this man is a tenacious bulldog that... Quite, quite frankly, I think it's his arrogance that yeah. just drives him to the point where he doesn't even seem to acknowledge criticism. It yep. all bounces off of him. He's Teflon. And yep. he just keeps driving it and driving it and driving it until he gets his way, which yep. scares me a lot because of the internet censorship filter. Everybody else has said it's dead, and he's still going, no, 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 it's alive. And it yep. worries me that he's got this, this bee in his bonnet about it. But when it comes to the NBN... They just passed through legislation. Now, this was really breaking news because at the time I was putting the show notes together, mm. uh, the articles I had lined up were all about how they were stalemated in Senate, about how uh, they wanted to push through the legislation that would break up Telstra, yep. um, which would make it uh, uh, the sale of – which the, the sales division and the network division break up into two separate parties. And if they could do that, then what, under the agreement of that breakup – the NBN basically would take charge of the yeah. the copper network, which could then retire and it could replace the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And there was a real problem because everybody was basically saying we need a business plan for the NBN or we're not going to approve it. And to his credit, uh, Stephen Conroy just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and he got it approved through Senate without the business plan. <laughs> yeah, no, he's um, – look, the man, the man is uh, just a, a driver. And look, when he believes in something, I mean, you, you can't hate the man for just when he believes in something, just continually striving for it. And mm. that's what he will do. He will just push and push until he gets what he wants. Absolutely. Uh, and you've got it in one there, Dave. I mean, that's just realistically what it is. It's just – how now, I found this article uh, on news.com.au about the NBN. So I just thought this was a really good article. I thought we might just read some highlights out of this. Uh, this is called the NBN FAQ, mm -hmm. the Everyday Person's Guide to Labor's National Broadband Network. Now, the reason why I thought this was interesting is because there's a lot of misinformation about the NBN out there, and especially for the people who are overseas, some of our fellow podcasters who are overseas who really get the news secondhand and so forth. Mm. So I just thought what we'd do is very quickly um, just have a talk about some of the reasons why they want to do this NBN and see if we can clear, clear some of the air here. Now, I just noticed in the chat room that uh, James from Melbourne said, did we see Kate Lundy in the whole R rating thing? Oh, yes, Hold we did. that thought. She's coming up next. Oh, <laughs> All right, so uh, um, we'll talk about Kate Lundy in just a minute. Uh, so basically, this article, news.com.au, the link will be in the show notes, says the National Broadband Network, it says, what is it? It says, uh, is the NBN is the federal government's project to improve the internet speeds across the country for our future. Fiber optic cables will extend 
all the way to individual buildings promising speeds of one gigabit per second or about 40 times faster than with the current copper telephone wires. Uh, some overseas tests have found the cables which use reflected light instead of electrical signals can hit even higher speeds, being fast enough to transfer as many as 1,000 DVDs per second. Um, all right. Uh, 93% of Australians will be connected to the network with the rest having to access a slower wireless or satellite internet. Okay, so this will be the really rural places. Uh, why do we need it is another question that comes up. It says, while we may not need speeds of one gigabit per second right now, we probably will in the future. The government says the objective is to build top-notch infrastructure so that it can compete on a global telecommunications scale. Fair enough. Why does it cost so much? Uh, the original statistics on this were $43 billion, if we remember. It says infrastructure to hold the fiber optic cables like underground ducts will have to be built from scratch, and digging, hole, bigging, digging lots of big holes costs a lot of money. <laughs> uh, the exception will be where the existing infrastructure is borrowed from Telstra as part of negotiations with the government. Now, this is not borrowed. This is a little bit out of date because the whole concept of this Telstra breakup would be that they would basically own the ducks from Telstra. They're going to take them over. Okay? And this was going to redu- drastically reduce the cost by about $8 billion or something like that so that they would own this infrastructure. It says the network is currently estimated at a cost of $35.7 billion, uh, and that figure will fall if the de- Telstra deal goes ahead, which it has. Okay? Mm. How long will it take to build? They're saying the estimates of the network will be finished about 2021, but... Commercial services will be offered on each section of the network as it's rolled out, and in fact, they go on to say it is already being used in Tasmania. Uh, when, it is, when it is finished, how will we use it? Now, a lot of people say, oh, but it's a monopoly. You know, we don't all want to have to deal with the government. You won't. According to this, they basically say no single individual person will be getting their uh, broadband from the NBN. The NBN is a wholesaler, and you will still deal with IINet and Telstra and Optus and all the other local devices. They're going be sourcing their internet from the NBN, okay? I wonder whether that will affect how much we pay. Well, it means it's competition. Mm. So then that's good. Uh, now, prices have not yet been locked in, but Prime Minister Julia Gillard has given a guarantee, guarantee that it will be less, your internet access will be less on the NBN as to what you are currently paying now. And it says, I hope so. And you'll be possibly be, up, be less than by up to $400 per year. All right. So uh, now it says, you know, they isn't it going to cost me thousands to set this up in the home properly? And they say, no, it will not cost you thousands to set up in your home properly because it'll be no more complicated than setting up your current ADSL. There'll be a jack in the wall. You plug your modem in, you're done. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those beat ups. Remember, we had the beat up of the week about, you know, oh, it's going to cost thousands. That's only if you're wiring your house and all sorts of other weird yeah. shit. Okay. To get one connection in like we get in today. It will be no more complicated. So uh, why does Telstra need to split? Well, we've discussed that. They need to split so that they can take control of the lines. Okay. Yep. And will the NBN create another monopoly? And it says, in one sense, that's exactly what the NBN is. It's a monopoly, but they're not directly administering the network. It will be issued out to third-party people, so therefore, theoretically, it's not. It'll be like in the old days when everybody, all telephone companies, licensed their lines from telecom. You know, that's basically what it is. Yeah. It says, who will maintain it? NBN Co., which is owned by the government, will maintain it. And Julia Gillard's government has said that they have no plans and they do not want it to be sold off like Telstra. Which I respect. Um, they can't guarantee what will happen with future governments, but they want to try and put through legislation saying that it would be maintained by the government. It is a government infrastructure, and that's what they want. 
Okay. So there's a little bit of a highlight about what is the NBN and why we want it so badly. All of us geeks out there are going, yes, 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 yes. Mm. And all I can think is from a podcasting point of view, it'll make my feed so much nicer. Come on, let's face it. How good is the live feed going to be? And then we might be able to do a podcast. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of Kate Lundy. Now I have this wonderful picture of Kate Lundy. Uh, Here it is. You might be wondering what these piles of paper she's leaning on here. This is the petition uh, that was uh, put forward by the gamers. Okay, now, okay, let's explain this a little bit because some people seem to still be a little bit confused. Uh, Kotaku uh, uh, has basically issued an instruction to gamers saying, the attorney general's meeting is getting very close. Let's keep a level head. Okay, mm. and they're right. Let's not go crazy. Let's not go ballistic and jumping up and down and saying, you know, you need to, you know, listen to us and so forth. Level heads will succeed at this point. They need to. Sh- we need to show them that we're responsible. Okay, and so Kotaku says, if you want to write to your senator or your congressman or your attorney general, there are forms at Kotaku.com where you can get all that information and you can do all that. That's great. Yeah. Okay, Kate Lundy. Have I said to you lately, Josh, she's my hero, okay? This woman is a saint, all right? Uh, I have said for a long time that I think she should be the communications minister. I think she is wonderful. She actually gets it. She understands technology. And she did something unprecedented. She actually took the signatured petition, 89,210 signatures, that was raised by PalGN and Game, and was and was delivered to the attorney generals, who promptly basically rejected it. Yeah. Um, now, what was their grounds again, Josh? They said their was- grounds were that we basically were too uh, too much of a niche because we were supplying them with this information that was like one part of society, and they needed to know about the rest of us. What they failed to do because the form didn't actually have this information is figure out that those people are from all walks of life and yeah. all types of people. Um, but of course that can't be the case because obviously we're just gamers yeah. and that's all we'll ever be stinky, filthy gamers. <laughs> and apparently we can infect water and, you know, yeah, they, they basically claim complete bias and, yeah. and, and all this sort of nonsense. Anyway. So, uh, these 89,000 signatures, now it must be pointed out that these 89,000 signatures was unprecedented it is the highest if not the highest, the second highest number of signatures on a single petition ever sent to Senate. Yep. Okay? This is a substantial number of people. Kate Lundy took it to the Senate. Yeah. Um, now, for those, for those who don't understand, this is not actually a Senate issue. This is an attorney general's issue. Mm. To get the rating changed or to add a new rating to our system, it has to be a consensual agreement between all states and federal attorneys general. They're having their meeting in mid-December to decide this fact. Mm. Now, last time they met, which was a few months ago, they basically said it was inconclusive and they were going to re-meet. This is the re-meet. Mm. Kate Lundy took it upon herself to take the signatures to the Senate. Yeah. Now, she actually did say in her seven-minute long speech, which I have a little bit of here. I didn't bring the whole speech because it's a long speech, but we do have the link in the show notes. Go mm. watch her speech. Uh, she basically said she understands this is not within the preview of the Senate. Yeah. But it was an unprecedented number of signatures, and she felt that it needed to be entered into public record. And the Senate needed to acknowledge that yeah. this petition took place, mm. and it was approved. And so that the petition has now been put forward to Senate, and she gave a wonderful speech about understanding uh, 
as a parent, yeah. the need for an R rating. Mm. And she hit all the right marks. She explained the stats and statistics of why we need an R rating. And it was very clear. The only issue I had was she's not a very good public speaker. Well, it's interesting, though, because you bring up that thing about public um, – uh, you bring up that thing about the R18 rating being so important as a parent. And, uh, like, it's interesting because I only just found about this before the show when mm. we were talking and you told me about the Kate Lundy thing. Um, but I thought it was so interesting because as someone, uh, you know, that works around this sort of stuff, we had a meeting this morning at work. And basically one of the things was just reiterating coming into Christmas, all the reasons, uh, all the things for the counter stuff was mm-hmm. one of them about uh, the ratings and what you have to do. And it was like he was going through it and he was like, you know, and if it's M, they have to go grab their parents. And like I was thinking to Call of Duty Black Ops, which I've only just finished and going, wow, I would love to see that sold to a 10-year-old because mum said, yeah, that's fine. And then it got to the next point and it just irritated me so much when he said, well, we don't have to worry about this for games, but movies, if it's R-rated, even if they bring their parents back, you refuse to sell the item. And I was like... That's exactly what we're trying to put in place here. And it's just that exact... But that's also illegal, dude. If they bring their parent and their parent wants to buy the game... Yeah. Or, sorry, the movie, I should say, as an over 18 No, you have to ask the question. I know this because I worked at the counter. You have to ask the question, are you purchasing this for X person? Right. You ask that question. If they say yes, you are legally allowed and obligated to refuse actually selling that product to it which is really interesting which i actually once again once again we come down to this fundamental issue that we've danced around for a well, long then time it, no. which is what happens in the house no is not the government's issue absolutely Dave. You know? but so that's they're the whole buying thing. it they should buy it for themselves what they do in the house is fine yeah. but at the counter all right so here's the secret guys if you're going in to buy an r-rated movie that you want to show to your kids never tell them it's for them Exactly. But, Say, no, it's but, for me. No, but at the same time, you are taking that responsibility at that point in the conversation. When you say, I'm buying this purchase, if you're unhappy with it, when you get home, you were the one that bought it. Damn straight. You were the Agreed. one that bought it, and that's where the line is. And it was just, in hearing that, that was exactly, sorry to rant about that, but it was just, that was what I was thinking. It's like, the parents become responsible. Actually, James from Melbourne, you're actually uh, incorrect. Uh, yep. He says, that's not true. If you exhibit an X-rated film to a minor, you go to jail. Uh, not entirely correct. If you exhibit it to an, a minor who is not your child, yep. then you're going to go to jail. Yep. If you exhibit that X-rated film within your house uh, to a family member, and let's say you're doing it as an educational exercise, why you would do this, I don't know. Okay, but I'm just saying... From don't, a, we don't no, encourage We're not encouraging this. that. I'm just saying from a devil's advocate point of view, that's not technically illegal. What yep. happens in the home? When you are actually educating your child or inoculating your child, as we've said before, <laughs> or whatever it is you want to do, that shouldn't be the preview of the government. Yeah. Uh, this is your responsibility. It's your child. Now, if you're hurting the child, if you're doing exposing them to X-rated films constantly all day long, saying, oh, look. Isn't it Tying them to a hey, chair baby, and having their then, eyes. Yeah, you should probably, have, you should probably be looked into. But I think they should right. look into you for far more reasons than just that. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, there's a bigger issue at hand here, all right? But uh, let's face it. If, I, if I'm at home and I want to um, – uh, if I want to uh, – uh, 
Fuck, it showed me a few things. Oh, they're talking about Debbie Does Dallas now. Stop it. Right. All right. Uh, if I want to uh, sit down and I've watched a film that is rated R, let's say it's an action film or something, and I go, really, there's no reason for this to be rated R. It was under the qualifications of the censorship board. They say fuck five times or something like that in the film, mm. which is why I got a R rating. And I deem as a parent that Nicholas can watch that film without you know, affecting him or hurting him, uh, then I should be allowed to do that. All right? I don't think Nicholas should be allowed to buy that movie. No. He should not be allowed to walk into a store and say, yeah, I want to buy a copy of, you know, The Exorcist um, at 11 years old. No. In fact, I would never even show him The Exorcist Mm. because it would freak him out, right? Mm. And this is where it comes down to, once again, where are the goddamn parents? Know your children, okay? Know your children. But the fact is... uh, uh, there, should, there is no difference in the law to showing a minor an R-rated film or an X-rated film. Uh, once again, this is this weird sexual hang-up that people have. As soon as it is about sex, we immediately go into some very dark and strange places. Mm. Um, oh, my God, you must be a pedophile. Oh, my God, you must be this. No. I'm not about to show my child an X-rated film. Can I make that for the record? I'm just speaking as devil's advocate here, okay? I don't encourage you to show your children hardcore X-rated movies. Did I make that clear enough? Yeah. Okay. No, 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 we got that. <laughs> okay, good. Let's go back to Kate Lundy for a minute and say that uh, she was fabulous, and I'm very, very glad that she did this. And I do have a little bit of the speech. This is just her final sign-off to the speech. This is where she actually submits the uh, – or what's called tabling, where she actually tables the petition to the Senate. So this is after she's given her long speech, and this is the very end of it. Madam Acting Deputy President, I seek leave to table a document that, whilst technically does not conform with the format required by petitions in the Senate, does in fact constitute a petition and states, by signing this petition, you believe that Australia should have an R18 plus games classification for PC and video games. Leave granted. There being no objection, leave is granted, Senator. Uh, Thank you. In eight weeks, 89,210 people from all over Australia signed the document in support of an R18 plus games classification and this number has been verified in an independent audit. This is one of the largest petitions submitted to the Australian Senate in the last 15 years and I'd like to acknowledge the efforts of Roland Cooland from PALGN and Robert Lukic from Mm. GAME for their hard work in coordinating this effort as well as the many advocates for an R18 plus games classification throughout Australia. But she is a legend. And Mm. the fact that she actually stressed 89,210 signatures verified by a a private auditor. Mm. This is very, very important because it's not just lots of names on a piece of paper. Each name is an individual name. This is, in the web, in the web world, these are uniques. <laughs> right? yeah. So, and 89,000 uniques is a phenomenal, a phenomenal get. Uh, now, the, uh, why is this uh, particularly important? Because now the attorney generals cannot ignore it. It is public record. It is there. It has been recognized by the Senate. So, therefore, the attorney generals must take note Damn right. of what's going on. So, good honor. Kate Lundy, you are a legend, and you are welcome to come into my show anytime <laughs> you want to. <laughs> I would love to hear from you. Yeah, when we talk about her public speaking, look, she's, she knows her facts and everything else. But in this particular instance, like, she looks down the whole time. She's not projecting out. She's just reading. She needs to work on those public speaking skills and then she, she's going to be a killer politician mm. um, okay let's move on and say on the lighter side of tech because we are supposed to be the lighter side of tech uh, Facebook has just trademarked the word face 
Well, <laughs> so, oh, gonna... sorry, I now have to pay for the fact that I just used the word face. Oh, I have to pay again. Um, Stop saying face. <laughs> oh, now you have to pay. <laughs> no, it's not quite. It's not quite that bad. All right, now what they've done is they have managed to trademark the term face. When in use. Now, where where is it? It actually says, basically it means um, uh, they have trademarked the word face when it comes to telecommunication services, namely providing online chat rooms and electronic bulletin boards for transmission of messages among computer users in the field of general interest and concerning social and entertainment subject matter, uh, none primarily featuring or relating to monitoring or to cars. I don't know why cars came into this. But anyway. Why are cars? I don't know. Basically, what they're saying is if you want to create a website like Face Meet, Slap to the Face, or Face Novel, Face Smash, something like that, you're going to get sued. If you've got face in your, in your social network, mm. uh, you'll, be, you'll be slapped. But um, if you're just using the word face, no. Your face is not a re- registered trademark, okay? Thank so, God. I so was you getting can, really worried. <laughs> so you can relax a little bit there. All right. <laughs> now, if you have a lot of cow shit... <laughs> what do you do, do you with it? you want to run that by me again? <laughs> All right. We know from following past stories uh, over the last couple of years that the methane from cows is one of the largest contributors to greenhouse gases on the planet. Yes. Okay. So if you've got a bunch of cow crap, what's the best thing to do with cow crap? The best thing to do with cow crap would be to turn it into crap power. Right. Yes. And this Chinese See, dairy. I had no idea. I was waiting intently. <laughs> I was like, uh. this Chinese dairy in uh, China, obviously, has created uh, this machine, which is on screen for our visual watchers. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. That can generate 5.66 megawatts of power, which is roughly enough to power 3,500 American homes off their cow crap. That's amazing. That is amazing. So uh, all I can think is, wow, it, they, this Chinese dairy farm takes the excrement of 60,000 of its 250,000 cows. So we're not even talking about all the cows. 60,000 of the cows and converts it into power. For how long? Well, I guess as long as you keep feeding it crap, it's going to keep feeding you power. Hmm. Hmm. So all I can think is, yes, now we're talking. Let's take all that cow crap and methane and actually turn it into something viable that we can use. Uh, according to Technology Review, Huishan Dairy, I probably massacred that name, by the way, has created a methane, com- methane converter that is over 10 times the size of similar such devices, powered by four of the GE engines, pictured that we just showed you. Um, and it converts the uh, methane from fermenting cow poop and turns it into power. Well, there you go. I think that's fantastic. There you go. That's a continuation of our, you know, impressive tech. And here you go. According to this, in the U.S., they have one of these machines, and it only generates two milliwatts of power. Wow. Go the Chinese. Go the Chinese. All right, we need these machines everywhere, just like we need those water converters everywhere, and we might actually start making a dent on this environment. Um, okay, so there you go. Cow crap, thing of the past. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, that was from Gizmodo, by the way, that article. Uh, now, for a long time, we have said, Josh, that Windows doesn't know how to market crap. Not right? crap. Not crap. crap like, we, crap. Were still, we were just talking about crap. Not real so crap. Sure. They're crap. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know? cool. They're crap. Windows has never been able to market crap. 
Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Um, and this is evidenced from uh, a whole long time ago. This was an ad. And the reason we bring this up is because, let's face it, Windows is 25 years old. And this ad showed up. This is an ad from Windows 1. And this was an ad that was done with Steve Ballmer. Yes, he was still there, even way back then, selling Windows 1. So here you go. Oh, you haven't got headsets, do you? We need to get you some headsets. Hold on a second. Here you go. Plug those in for a second. Uh, You can't miss this. (laughs) All right. So this is Steve Ballmer selling Windows 1. And I tell you what, it just shows you that no matter how bad we may think uh, Windows marketing is today, it used to be worse. How much do you think this advanced operating environment is worth? Wait just one minute before you answer. Watch as Windows integrates Lotus 123 with Miami Vice. Now we can take this Ferrari and paste it right into Windows Write. Now how much do you think Microsoft Windows is worth? Don't answer. Wait until you see Windows Write Are you Windows kidding? <laughs> wow, I'm just spellbound. No charge, the MS-DOS executive, an appointment calendar, a card file, a notepad, a clock, a control panel, a terminal, a principal, a RAM drive, and can you believe it? Reversi! That's right! <laughs> oh, Reversi! God! How much did you guess? 500? A thousand? Even more? No, it's just $99! That's right! It's $99! It's an incredible value, but it's true! I can't watch it. Windows won for $99. Well, they've, they've come a long way. Except in Nebraska. Except in Nebraska. Okay, now my question is, Josh, have they really come a long way? Here's an ad for Windows XP. Okay, so this is uh, early 2000s. Here's an ad for Windows XP. Introducing new Microsoft Windows XP. How much do you want this totally new Windows? Wait just one minute before you answer. Watch why I make Windows XP the center of my home. All my pictures, all my music, all my videos, all in one place. Burn them to CD, post them to MSN, email them to friends, all with one <laughs> click voice. Video calls right from Windows Messenger and separate accounts for every person with Windows XP. It blows my mind. For an Who the hell is this guy? I don't know. Was that actually Steve Ballmer? That was Steve Ballmer. It's secure. It's manageable. It's mobile. Wireless networking. You know, at the airport. Worth the day. Worth the bar. Whoops. Who's this guy? No idea. This product's so hot. I even need a fan. I need to pour ice water on myself. I think. Our company was on the ropes, taking hit. Okay, I think we've had enough of that. Now, All right, so uh, our chat room is gone berserk, basically saying, just to think, that man runs the company now. Wow, that um, that's probably why the advertising campaign's suffering. I think Dave. <laughs> that, that man may be responsible for yeah, why we're having but does, a lot of somebody problems. in our chat room says, does XP have reversi? <laughs> <laughs> who is that? Kellison. Well done. Well done. Uh, yes, and for those uh, in the chat room who are asking, is this serious? Yes, these are Mike. That's Steve Ballmer, man. And yeah, they have really never been able to advertise anything. I will point out, though, that uh, the price, if you go through that entire ad at the very end, the price of Windows XP was still $99. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Dear God. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm a little shaken right now. I don't quite know what I just saw. But... I just can't believe that they think that that would work. Well, obviously it did. Do you <laughs> I guess that's the problem. They've just been used to it working. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. All right. Let's lighten this. Let's lighten the mood just a little bit. I'm going to say, Josh, that somebody has hacked uh, the Wii controllers. Right. And they have built it into a robot chair. And they have actually made baby robot jocks. <laughs> wow. They've actually allowed babies to drive these vehicles around using a Wii controller. That's a Wii. It's the Wii Fit. See its other feet? Yeah, and it just leans to move around. It's, basi- it's basically a Segway. That's a terrible idea. All I can think is you can have all these babies running around on these machines. No. No, 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 no it's a terrible <laughs> idea. The whole point of kids is that the one thing about them is they're not very mobile. So you put them in a cot or you throw them in a room and then you lock off that room and it just that, that's where you leave them. You don't give them chairs and let them drive around. Okay, to be fair, if we go back and actually talk about what this is for, this is... For babies with mobility issues like, you know, spina bifida and so forth, oh. cerebral palsy. But that's not how it reads when you first read it. When you first read it, it is Baybots. Baby, Baybots. Baybots. <laughs> not far off. Baybots. <laughs> Baybots. We're keeping that show title right Baybots. there. Baybots. It is Babies Driving Robots. All right? This is all it comes down to. I like Baybots. <laughs> I'm keeping that one. That, that is just so All right, good. Show, Baybots. T- show title, Baybots. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. Let's get onto some gadgets. Come on. We need some gadgets. We're running long here, so let's get some gadgets on now. And we'll say, gadgets, protect your iOS. Um, not protect. Project your yeah. iOS device with this little puppy. This is a uh, projector that plugs into the uh, port of mm. your iOS device. Um, now, I'm not sure. I couldn't quite get from the device whether it works with iPhone, but it's definitely iPad. Mm. Um, and you plug it in, and you can project your uh, iPad up onto the wall uh, in full high res, which would be really oh. nice. Nice little device. How much? Do you know? uh, I can find that out for you if I stop trying to touch my laptop screen. <laughs> for those who are coming in late, uh, I'm so used to using an iOS device that I'm, today I'm using my laptop, and I keep touching the screen like that's going to make a difference. Mm. Okay, the Show WX Plus laser projector uh, is ninety nine dollars apparently. Five thousand to one contrast ratio. Excuse me, five thousand to one contrast ratio for two hours with a built in battery. Boy, if you're watching Avatar, you're out of luck. Yeah, uh, works with iPads, iPhones, iPod touches. Uh, projects at a native resolution of eight forty eight by four eighty, so not quite HD, uh, and is available now. From in uh, in the U.S. for 450 U.S. dollars. Um, so the show notes uh, have the link to the Gizmodo article that that shows on. So you can have a look. But it'd be good if you're doing things like in America, you can have the Netflix uh, application. Mm-hmm. And you can stream Netflix where you can project that now. And it's small enough to carry with you if you were traveling. So mm. there you go. Uh, now... This is the one that really got me. If you have a tethered iPhone, so if you've got an iPhone that has a tethering plan, yeah. now this won't work if you don't have a tethering plan, but if you have a tethering plan, this little device, uh, oh, hold on, let's change the graphic on the screen, is a router that plugs directly into the iPhone, turning your iPhone into a Wi-Fi network. Oh, wow, that's very cool. So uh, basically it's uh, $190 in the U.S. It is uh, 802.11 BGNN router. Just stick your tethered-enabled iPhone into it via the USB port. Bingo. And it's 60 meters of wireless coverage. 
Yeah, but price-wise, that's very ineffective, though. I know. When you look at it and go, okay, take away the tethered iPhone, you're just going to MiFi. Yeah, that's kind of... Kind of, kind of where I'm coming thinking. from. It's yeah. the, uh, it ne- sounded cool to start with. It's the Nexaria BC2 is mm. what it's called. And once again, you can find the link in the show notes if you're interested in turning your tethered. I guess if you're paying for a tethering plan, you don't want to then pay for a, a MiFi plan. Mm-hmm. So this might work for that sort of person. All right. So uh, let's go to the next one and say this is probably the most stupid thing I've ever seen. I shouldn't say most stupid because it really isn't probably the most stupid, but it is pretty stupid. This is a keyboard cover. That you can buy. Uh, now, why would you want this? Well, if you remember in the old days, and today it's not so prevalent, but I guess there are still people out there. It's for those keyboard smashers. You know those people who type in it? Well, this you put the cover over and their hands go inside and it silences their keyboarding. Oh, dude, that's awesome. And all can I can you think is, really, is that it that some... big a problem? <laughs> Man, you'd have to be one hell of a heavy typer. Sarah, my sister. Yeah. I used to be able to hear her typing from the other room. She'd smash the keys. But as I say, most keyboards are actually softer now. Anyway, I don't see a purpose. But if you want to spend $36 uh, for the Thank-O keyboard quiet cover. Thank-O keyboard. It almost sounds like something out of a Ren and Stimpy cartoon. It's horrible. (laughs) It's a horrible name. Anyway, so I think that's a really stupid idea. But this is sweet. Right. Hadn't had enough Tron yet? No, never. Never have enough Tron. Here it is. This is called the Razer... Tron mouse. Check it out. Oh, dude, that's <laughs> fucking sick. Is that just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? It says here in the Gizmodo article that despite how nice it looks, the blue, uh, it's got blue glowing light and sound effects. So I guess as you, move, effects, as you move it around, yeah. I guess it, it's a 50, uh, 5,600 DPI laser, seven buttons, 1,000 hertz polling, and one millisecond response time. This is a sweet mouse. Mm. Uh, if you can turn off the sound effects, yeah. I'm sold. Yeah. I don't have a price for it, though, unfortunately. Oh, so, man, I, I was all ready for it. It says here, I just don't want to find myself, according to the Gizmodo article, he says, I just don't want to find myself making whoosh and zoom zoom noises while I work. <laughs> yeah, that could get a little on your, on uh, your nerves. It could. All right, and uh, this is the last one for the day. This is uh, only a concept. Mm-hmm. This is not a final product, okay. but I think this is a concept that is guaranteed to drive everyone mad. All right, let's start this, preface this by saying, do you remember those greeting cards when you open them up and they play music? Mm. And you know how somebody inevitably in the house continues to open them nonstop and you want to throw the card like out the window by the end of it? How about this? This is uh, the music Band-Aid. It is a concept that they are planning. Uh, which would actually allow you to power it by your own body thermal temperature. So the strip is on the back, which powers it. You stick it on, and it holds one album. And the speakers are actually in the strips. The idea is, as you're jogging or wearing it or anything like that, it just plays the album. I don't want to hear your album. That's why we have headphones. Yeah, Cool, I guess. It might be good as an advertising thing, maybe. A gimmick, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I just think it's... How bad would those speakers be? They're, like, flat. I know. This is not... No, I don't think this is for high fidelity. But all I could think is we have gone to great lengths to try and isolate people's music so people don't walk around with huge boom boxes making noise. Everybody wears headphones and you can listen to your own thing. Do we really want to have all these people wandering around with these Band-Aids on, all playing 
conflicting music all over the place, this is sure to drive people slightly batty over yeah. time, I think. All right. Now, uh, we're also going to just throw in here very quickly um, our little piece of history. Um, uh, uh, Delta and I have talked about the fact that it would be nice to have a little bit of history each show. We have two little pieces. Uh, this one is, uh, I thought, just really sweet, quite frankly. This is a 45-year-old robot. Uh, it was actually built in 1950. Uh, it's a six-foot-tall humanoid robot. It was built out of spare parts from um, the Royal Air Force and spare parts from uh, the World War II bombers and stuff like was that. Was it by a small child who no, no. then grew up and oh, Well, became... possibly because uh, there's the guy who built it walking next to it, and he's fairly old now. But it still works. Wow. Now, apparently it is not sophisticated enough to actually have microchips or anything in it, so it doesn't think or make its own operations, but it does walk. Wow. There you go. Look at him. He's so old now. Isn't he old? And they found him. Uh, apparently, um, uh, oh, here you go. It says, Tony Sale is now 79, but he built his first robot, George, in 1940 when he was 12. Yep. There you go. Mon- um, the kid the kid wanted to be Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Didn't we all at that age? It says, subsequent versions of the robot grew taller and more complex, adding moving jaw to simulate speech and a, ra- and a radio remote control. Uh, he joined the Air Force in 1949, and it goes on with all this other information. I just thought the robot itself was pretty sweet. That's kind of cool, though. I got to admit. Spent that is- 45 years stored in a garage. And it's walking just fine, that says. So there you go. There's a little piece of robotic history for you. And our other piece of history um, was a follow-up to last week. Last week we said that Christie's was auctioning off an original, original Mac? Apple yeah, yeah, One. Yeah. Not an original Mac. Well, predates Mac. The original Apple One. This is the computer that was built in Steve Jobs' garage, his parents' garage. It was sold as a kit computer. It didn't actually have a case or a monitor or anything. You just you got the circuit boards. I mean, you had to put assemble it yourself. In fact, I have a picture. This oh, that's not it. There it is. That's the kit. Okay. It wow. comes with. It had all of its original documentation, including a sales slip signed by Steve Jobs, um, and all the original parts, extras, tapes, software, everything else ready for you to assemble. Basically, it's uh, the original Apple One. Actually, if you want to see one in Sydney, if you're in Sydney, they have one built into a briefcase because people used all different sorts of cases. There's one built into a briefcase at the Powerhouse Museum here in um, Sydney, so you can actually see an Apple One. So here is the original Apple One. It did sell. It sale it did sell i should say um for now the the price varies now i got to be very clear here because it was sold in u.s pounds and i've seen about five different reports and they all have different numbers on them uh they're all converting from let's just say around the two hundred thousand u.s dollar mark jesus okay and it, it finally did sell and somebody's very happy so there you go now there has also been reports i read one report that said that steve jobs has offered to autograph it so whoever bought it is probably going to get a Steve Jobs autograph on it as well. So yeah. what I would be more impressed at is a Steve Wozniak autograph, considering that he built the thing. Yeah. Um, so that would be even more impressive. But anyway, there you go. There's your little piece of history for the day. And I keep grabbing. I've got like four mice in front of me. And I keep grabbing the <laughs> wrong mouse or touching the screen or I've got to do something about this. Okay. Now, we don't actually have any feedback to read. We did get a bunches of feedback throughout the week. There weren't things that we could bring up in the show and so forth. But I do have a quick thing that I'm going to request some feedback from you. 
Okay. This is <clears throat> what you were talking about? No, no. From the, the chat from, from the chat room and from the people who listen to the audio podcast. Mm-hmm. We have been looking at our numbers and we've been looking at our shows and, you know, and we're, we're approaching the end of the year. And uh, looking at the numbers and the audience that both the after show and the tech show get, uh, when this is the film show is not included, the film show has a whole different audience and it actually has much bigger numbers than both of the tech or yeah. after show. Mm-hmm. I had a thought, and I just want to get your feedback on this before we make any decisions. So please, everybody send me an email on this. Feedback at geekactually.com. Is the, this isn't the usual geek tech address. I want you to send it to feedback at geekactually.com. We are considering in the new year combining tech and the after show. Okay? So uh, basically it would be an all-out Your Week in Geek geek fest. It would be tech, the craziness of the after show, you know, all that sort of stuff all melded together into one hour, hour, 20 minute show, basically, where we talk a bit of news and we talk a bit of weirdness and we have the weird food and we have all that sort of stuff from the after show all melding together to make one geek show. Mm-hmm. And we would simply call that show like it used to be called Geek Actually. And that would be the, the weekend geek, basically. Um, if you don't like that idea, or if you do like that idea, please send your feedback to feedback at geekactually.com because uh, it will really be up to you guys. Now, the advantages for us, of course, means it's a shorter recording day on the Saturday, which means that we actually have room that if we ever do want to do a special on something like that, we have room to be able to fit that in. Yeah. Okay? Uh, so just a thought. Just something for the new year. It wouldn't happen before Christmas. It is something for the new year and, and whether or not we want to do that or not. Let us know. We do encourage all feedback, okay? Mm. Uh, and the uh, first question that's come up in, from Delta Knight said, would it be shortened? Probably a little bit, but not much. Remember, the after show is already between half an hour, 45 minutes. Mm. The tech show is an hour, and we're looking at probably doing about an hour. At the moment, the tech show is an hour. We'd shorten the tech show slightly to incorporate the after show, and it would probably be like the film show. It would probably be about an hour 20. Yeah. Okay? Um, so then we'd have a film show, hour 20, a tech show, or a geek show, hour 20. Mm. Um, but because it's all in one show, there wouldn't be breaks in the middle, which makes the recording day shorter and so forth. So yeah. um, <laughs> James from Melbourne says, your question beguiles me. What do you mean beguiles you? What the hell is that? <laughs> All right. Anyway, have a think about it. Decisions don't have to be made for at least another five weeks. So relax, okay? But please do put your thoughts. Okay, iOS news and apps of the week, Josh. First thing I'm going to do is just a little bit of iOS news because another application got pulled from and pulled is a really poor choice of word. But another app got pulled from the App Store and I wanted this one. It was free, and I think yeah, I heard about this, and I said, I just have to have it. Luckily, somebody actually caught some video of this app before it went out. This How is, long was it up? I, I don't know. But as soon as I heard about it, I went to the app store. I thought, I've got to see this. This would be funny. And it was gone already. And, yes, it has been. Uh, I, the post I read has updated saying it's gone. But it's a hypnosis penis enlarging app. So using your iPhone to enlarge your penis. And this is how it did it. Here's a little bit of video from it. Just now, what? Listen to the voice. You believe in your ability to grow. <laughs> your mind is very powerful. You are always in control. Feel good. Feel happy. Wait. Your penis continues to grow. <laughs> you are confident in your size. Wow. <laughs> You're confident you know, in your size. You know you're 
prize. You'll it win sounds, the prize. It's, it's, it sounds more like somebody, you know, coddling you for not being able to do well. You know, it's 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 a little sad. That I think. Can we all feel our penises growing already just from that little touch there? You know, that little touch. Oh, I shouldn't say that. It's a terrible way of putting it. <laughs> Did you have to, Dave? No, I can't. Aww. Oh dear. All right. All right. Now, let's move on to our apps of the week. Uh, we obviously can't pick the penis enlarging tool. So, damn. Damn, that would, be, that would have been my pick of the week, uh, you know, considering it was free. Um, but uh, instead, um, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say my first pick of the week is an iPad iPhone uh, universal app. So it'll work on both devices. It is free, and it is from OXOC software, and it's called Lab Timer. And I know it's not very thrilling, guys, but as soon as I told my wife about this, she went, oh, I want that app. Give me that app. Mm. This is an app. Now, I'm going to see if I can actually show you guys what it looks like on camera. This is what Lab Timer looks like on an iPad. Basically gives you multiple timers on screen, and there's four displayed, and each one of those four has four more that you can use. So you can get up to like 20 clocks running. This will actually count down or count up. So you can actually set it to record a certain time, or you can record it to see how long your show is going. So as an example, I'm using it for the show here at the moment, and I've actually got the running time of the show. Plus, I have a countdown timer, which is the predicted running time of the show or how long it's supposed to run. I also have another clock, which is five minutes, which is a spoiler zone. So if we ever did a spoiler zone in the film show, I could hit there and I could count exactly five minutes. Mm -hmm. um, my wife it works in a lab, as we know, and so she constantly has to have lab timers and stuff. And so she immediately wanted it on the iPhone, not the iPad, so that she had it for her lab. Look, for a free app, very useful indeed. Mm. So that would be my first one. And then my second one is actually a game. Now, I haven't had a lot of time to play it, but it was actually on one of the uh, fad games, free app of the day. Yeah. Um, and I started playing it two days ago, and it's insanely fun. Yeah. It's pointless, but insanely fun. And it is currently free at the moment. It is also an iPad, iPhone universal. So it'll work nicely on both. In fact, it works better on the iPad because it's more real estate. And it's called DinoCap. And basically, you're a little guy in the middle of the screen, and you have a combination of a melee weapon or a shooting weapon, and yeah. it's just a side-scroller, and you're being attacked from both sides by dinosaurs, and you just have to keep going in one direction, shooting the crap out of these things, and their eyeballs pop out, blood pops out everywhere. It's just an incredibly satisfying game to play when you don't want to have to think about anything, but you just want mass destruction. <laughs> All right? uh, it is from Trinity Interactive, and at the moment, it is free. So go grab that one. So Dino Cap. Josh, your apps. All right, my apps. Uh, there's two of them. I wanted to put a special shout out to um, uh, Northy, uh, who's in our chat room, for suggesting this last week, and I dug it up. Um, I hadn't used it for a very long time, and I had only used it on the iPhone. Um, I got the iPad version of Pulse Reader, uh, mm -hmm. which is an RSS reader. I've never liked RSS because I always find a huge amount of problems with RSS due to the fact that there's a lot of writing on the screen. If you've got a bunch of them, you can get lost in it. It's just much easier to have them in actual visual format. It pulls them into little squares, and it has an image of the actual thing. Kind plus of gives writing. a magazine-ish Exactly, and it feels more like a magazine. And for that, I have to say, it's that's really, really good. And so, as I said last week, I actually have Pulse installed. I've used yeah. it. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with it at the time. I do like RSS readers. Mm. Um, but Josh showed me... 
him running it now, they have done a lot of work on it since I last played on it. Yeah. And it is actually looking a lot better. So I'm going to have to have a, a reinstall it, basically, and have another look at it. Yeah. Um, my other app for this week is actually a web browser. And I'm going to hold this one up because, um, look, as, as you can see, we've got the gig actually slide open up there. And uh, you've got all the functions the same. But tabbing is a really, really beautiful function, which I think all items should have. Um, the ability to do and uh, it adds in things like tabbing it also adds the ability straight from the device to send links straight to URLs in both Facebook and Twitter it also has the option for multiple uh, connections into the device you can also load things out to other programs you so, had me at tabbing man <laughs> yeah tabbing was really what I got it for. you had again, me at tabbing <laughs> but again it runs really effectively it runs really well and um, like I mean it's been a function that I've been missing I mean yes I know you can theoretically do tabs with a uh, thing by going in and out of uh, um, Safari, but I just find that irritating and annoying, and to just actually be able to fix that is a really, really nice No, app. I have to say the one limitation, and this is not a multitasking limitation or anything, it is actually a mobile Safari issue with the iDevices, is the lack of tabs. Yeah. Um, I often work with two or three browsers because I'm researching stuff and I want to be able to jump back and forwards and forwards between them and that is a problem and yes they have that thing where you can click on it and have multiple pages but then every time you go into them they have to reload mm. and I don't want to have to reload it every time I go back into it so <clears throat> so yes no tabbing you had me at tabbing yeah now, no, and how, how much uh, does that yeah. cost what how much does that one uh, cost? it was 119 that's reasonable yeah I can cope with 119 I agree that's why I got it <laughs> fantastic is that all that's it, man. Just well, the two today. Well, in that case, that means we're done. All right. If you want to send your suggestions along to uh, Tech Actually, send your suggestions to geektech at geekactually.com. If you have comments about the idea of merging these shows, send them to feedback at geekactually.com. And if you just have something to say and you want to have your voice heard, we have a voicemail line, Sydney number 02801131367. Uh, if you are outside of Sydney and don't want to pay the rates on your phone, then we also have a Skype ID, which is Geek Actually, all one word. Uh, you can get merchandise for all of our network and our shows and everything else, T-shirts and cups, and I think there's a cup behind Josh's head over there somewhere. There it is. Look, you can see it. There it is. There's a, one of our mugs is over there on the shelf up there. Um, I also have one right here. There you go. Isn't that wonderful? You can go to cafepress.com.au forward slash geek, actually. Um, and there's an assortment of stuff for all of our different shows. You can also follow our fan page, facebook.com forward slash geek, actually. And remember, we do have two other shows at the moment. We have two other shows. One is Film Actually, where we review films. And the other one is our after show coming up very soon on this live feed. Live feed, you say? Yes, you can watch the whole thing live. Boy, I didn't even plan that segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can watch this entire thing live. We it was started so good you even made yourself confused. I did. I, I would. Wow, I was too clever for my own good. Uh, 12 p.m. every Saturday, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, we start our recording day. We start at the moment with the film show, go to tech, then go to the after show. All three shows recorded simultaneously. Not simultaneously. One raft. Back to back, I should say. Uh, it's hot. Did I tell you it's hot today? It's very hot. Um, so you can come and enjoy our chat room and watch us live, make mistakes like that. Um, and uh, and have a lot of fun. You can find that at geekactually.com forward slash live. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, I believe you also run another website. I run a website. Well, um, I run a website called rawdlc.com, which does a very similar thing with the uh, live show, which goes out on Tuesday nights. Uh, we also have a bunch of new articles up there, and we have a bunch of really cool stuff coming up over the next few days. So you guys should come check that out. And one other plug we've got to put out is uh, Celine Roberts, who is a regular on the site, has 
just launched her website, uh, which is godhaspinkhair.com. You guys should definitely go over and check that out. The site looks really good. Uh, it's really well put together, and I say that because I was the one that put it together. So Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and like I was about to say, and her, uh, her graduation exhibition is still running at CarriageWorks, and I think that looks really good because I took the photographs. But <laughs> Self-looking for the win. <laughs> no, no, seriously, her artwork is really amazing. Uh, it's a great exhibition. Go have a look at it. And yes, I'm not saying that because I'm biased because I took the photographs, but uh, it is really, really good, um, uh, if I do say so myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and God has pink hair. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. She couldn't have chosen a simpler URL like I think it's Celine Roberts. It sticks com? in your head. It sticks in your head. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. No, I actually quite so, like it because I like weird domains, but you know. Yeah. And speaking it's also, of, it's also it's that kind of artsy kind of thing. It's like what is she trying to say? That's true. She's saying it, and like I don't even think she knows. But that's not the point. That's not the point. The point that's is the, it's art. And speaking of funky domain names, uh, you should shoot over to attackninja.blogspot.com hmm. uh, to check out Josh Spencer's artwork. Speaking of artists, he did our cartoons for our shows, hmm. and uh, he's very talented. He's got a lot of other artwork there, so have a look at his stuff as well. Special thanks go out to David Murray, Delta Knight in our chat room, for all of his great research on all these links. And for more of his crazy links, make sure you stick check out our our after show. Dude, I just realized we went through that whole app section. I never actually said what the app was, what it was called. Oh, good work. Yeah. All right, so the browser is called? The browser is called uh, Atomic Web. Hey, there you go. That's the name of the one. So, So, nor the, uh, yeah. Atomic Web. Sorry about that, guys. I'm glad I looked down at the chat room. Remember, it's what, hot. Did we mention that? <laughs> whatever apps we uh, talk about in the app of the week section, we put in our show notes as well. Yeah. So if you ever miss it and you go check our show notes at geekactually.com, the apps that we talk about are in the posting. Okay? Yeah. So you can find that there. Uh, I'm done. Yeah. No. I think I'm done. I'm done too. I'm just going through the show notes. I'm trying to touch the screen again. Um, no, I'm just trying to go through here. Anything else? Anything else? No, no, no. Oh my God, we're, we're finished. We're done. We're done. I think we're going to get out of here. Uh, for our live listeners, remember the after show is coming up. Uh, for the audio listeners, you can find the after show on Tuesday. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to say thank you for joining us. It has been a pleasure, and we will see you all again next week. Bye, Josh. Bye. Bye.